When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. You're good jumpers. I've never had an original thought in my life. You're good rebounders. You broke your shoe. You're good at everything. The best in college basketball. The best in college sports. This is College Sports Now. Your inside look at the biggest games from around the nation. Here's your host, Stephen Hartzell. Jam-packed with college basketball talk for the next hour and change. Our resident head coach, Dave Odom, is live in studio with us today, chugging the water. Working the Kleenex box extra hard like he normally does here. Uh, Coach, how was the weekend, my man? Was it awesome? Yeah, it was great. Uh, You know, the rain had stopped here in Winston and Salem. The sun made an appearance for the first time in like a week. It things up until about 12.30, 1 o'clock when the sun went back in again. And uh, so we had, uh, had a good weekend. I got daffodils blooming at my house. That's a problem. I mean, yeah, I, I know yeah. it's been a mild winter and all, but yeah, nature uh, plays tricks on itself. Nature versus nurture, which yeah. we'll talk about here on the show, because, uh, again, you know, college basketball is uh, hitting the home stretch Sunday this past weekend, four weeks until the bracket is unveiled. Can you wow. believe that? I'm impressed. You, uh, you, you did some research. I here. didn't actually. I just follow Matt Norlander on Twitter from CBS Sports. Uh, he does the show with us on Thursday. He's a lot smarter than I am. And me. No, I wouldn't go that far. He brings a different type of intelligence. You know, it's a different, I mean, he just, he's into the numbers. You're, you're more of like a, a feel kind of guy. You're like the eye test guy. He's Ooh. metrics. Speaking of the, uh, of the feel guys, friend of yours, Pete Gillen is going to join the show here in about a half an hour. Excited to get his takes. He does a lot of TV for CBS sports. He's been out West. He's seen San Diego state. Not a lot of people have. Uh, so we'll talk to him about the Aztecs. Also want to get his thoughts on Dayton and some of these other can't call them mid-majors because that's not the right phrase. But, um, you know, some of these other teams that are kind of lurking in the rankings right now, Coach, because we got less than a month to go. Things are getting real. This is a year where you, you don't 
only talk about the, the uh, high major teams like, let's just say, a Michigan State or a, a Kentucky or a Duke or a, a UCLA, those kind of teams that you normally talk about in terms of, uh, you know, who's going to make a run at the tournament, who's going to be there in the Final Four. The, 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 those are all possibilities. But you now, this year, you have to include teams like Dayton and Gonzaga and San Diego State and uh, I'm sure there's some other teams, uh, Villanova. Uh, those, those are teams. Seton Hall. How about Seton Hall? Um, so there, there are a lot of teams this year that uh, at this point, uh, they still got a great opportunity to get beyond that second week, even the third week into the Final Four. Before we get like super deep into college basketball, because I got a lot of highlights, we're going to play a lot of sound from the weekend that was, I would be remiss to not get your take on what was the center of the basketball universe this weekend, Chicago, Illinois, the NBA All-Star Weekend. How much of that did you devour, Coach? As a diehard basketball guy, when you're flipping on TNT, which by the way, I had to dig around on the channels last night. I was like, ESPN, no, no, they're playing lacrosse. <laughs> ABC, no, no, they're playing the mass Singer. TNT, I had to find it, which is not the worst thing in the world. I like TNT. They do a good job. But what did you make of the NBA All-Star festivities? Because I know you're old school, and some of that stuff doesn't jive with you. Well, <laughs> uh, let's see. The, pre, the pre-event interviews were good. Uh, it showed personality. Uh, the NBA did a good job of making the stars talk as stars, appear as stars. Um, I like uh, the different approach. Um, the fact that they changed the game, the rules of the game told you it wasn't going to be a real game uh, because nobody knows how to play like that. I mean, you <laughs> cut off the clock in the fourth quarter and let them play it out. Nah, come on. So you know it's not going to be a real game. and um, But – when you go to, let's just see, let's just say, um, I tell you what, I'm not a big rapper. I mean, I, I I don't know how to do that, and I don't. It's hard for me to listen to it. But the guy that did that long introductory rap uh, deal to begin with, I you believe know that was Common. I believe that he's a Chicago guy. Yeah, Common is his name. Oh man, I don't know how he could remember all of that. I mean, he went for. I don't know, 15 minutes uh, in terms of introducing everybody and, you know, had a had, a, had something that rhymed, you know, with each name. <laughs> I mean, it was incredible. I, I thought that was impressive as heck. Not that I would want to listen to that every night, but I, I thought that was pretty good. Um, and then it flowed into um, the, the national anthems of both Canada and the United States. I thought the girl from uh, from Canada, I thought she did an admirable job. I mean, it was she had a banjo and she, you know, old Canada, old Canada. You know, she did really well. Uh, wasn't the best I ever heard, but she was good. But now, oh. uh, at the uh, at the risk of getting fired from this podcast or from uh, somebody calling in and blasting me, I thought. The lady that did the national anthem was horrendous. It was it was as bad as I've ever heard. 
You, and I thought it disgraced the United States. I wow. I, okay, so, Server, I'll be honest. I, I'm looking this up right now because I don't know who did the Well, I know. I can anthem. give you the name if you want. Who looked? Who did it, Serbs? Shaka Khan. Shaka Khan. Okay, I don't know who that is. But, uh, yeah, well, people are it's blasting like 80s, it. It's 80s, 90s artists. People yeah. are blasting it on on uh, on the Internet. What else is new, right? Yeah, are they? Are yes. they? So I'm Shaka not by Khan's myself. All-star performance roasted. That's a headline on CNN Entertainment. Well, it should be. I know I, you're not a CNN guy, Coach, but still. Um, I yikes. mean, yeah. Okay, so this is a thing. Twitter was uh, ablaze. I don't understand what what they were thinking on that one. I mean, I really don't. Uh, you know, but uh, I I even watched some of the players' reactions as they as the cameras kind of skate down. Uh, you know the, the the row of starters and reserves on both both teams, and you could tell there was a sense of embarrassment and bitterness uh, for that one. Uh, but anyway, uh, then the game starts, and the first three minutes, first four minutes, I mean, you knew it was going to be there. There had been a meeting before the game about how we're going to play this thing. <laughs> What was discussed at that meeting? No uh, defense? Nobody gets hurt unless they hurt themselves. There'll be nobody touching anybody else. The referees can put their whistles up. There'll be no fouls. Uh, lots of dunks. It's easy to dunk because they're all so tall and everybody's going to get out of the way. And uh, we want to make sh- and, and if the game gets uh, out of hand either way, then the team that's uh, in front makes sure that they – they don't make a bunch of baskets here in the next three or four minutes because we want the game to be tight in the fourth quarter, and it was. Uh, the best basketball player on the court uh, last night, the one that showed the most uh, seriousness of purpose, uh, was uh, uh, Kawhi Leonard. MVP and last he night. Got the he got the first annual Kobe uh, Bryant MVP award, which I thought was – uh, Well-deserved. How much did I watch, you ask? Um, first five minutes, then I flipped it, and I went to a couple of other things, and I came back, and there was maybe five minutes left in the game, and um, I watched I watched the end of it. I'm impressed that you stayed up for the end of the game. Serber, how much did you watch? I didn't watch any of the game. Okay, very or the good. ceremony, okay, or yeah. the dunk contest, it, it or the was, three point contest. It was nothing short of a carnival uh, event. I mean, it, it it really was. I don't I don't know what they I don't know why they don't. Well, they do. They have shortened the game. They've gone three twelve minute quarters instead of fifteen minutes. So right, right. they have shortened it a little bit. But there got to be other things that people would like to see, and you know the the idea of just watching a dunk fest and a shot fest, but not a game fest. I just, it doesn't, I, I don't see it. I mean, as bad as I think the NFL football all-star game is, it's probably better than this. I don't know. The Pro Bowl is pretty bad. But I love getting your takes on this just because you keep it real. I mean, you know, a lot of people feed at the trough. Not you, Coach. Not you. Uh, I mean, a contrarian in a sea of, you know, just NBA love. Well, at the end of this, we'll get Serba to pull up uh, Shaka Khan's uh, effort and uh, see what you think. I don't know if I want to hear that. I don't know if that's how I want to start well, my day. You can, you can go to the first 
three lines, and that would be enough. Okay. All right. Very good. Shaka Khan on blast here on College Sports Now. Uh, all right. Let's talk hoops. College hoops. Amateur athletics, right? Wow. Action from the weekend. There was lots of it. It was hot and heavy. Uh, I devoured some of it myself at home during a uh, bit of a sick weekend. My house became a, an infirmary of sorts. Wow. Kids were sick. I was sick. We just embraced the sick. Uh, and we watch basketball. Now, let's start. I, I, I want to break this into three parts because there was a lot of hoops over the weekend. We're breaking it into three parts. Part one, we'll talk about the top five teams in the land. Top, part two, we'll talk about the upsets because there were a few of those that we'll sprinkle in as well. Part three, a generic kind of basket of other stuff you need to know from the weekend. All right? right. So with that said, we start with the number one team in the land, the Baylor Bears hosting West Virginia in Waco. Baylor keeps rolling. The crowd chants BU. West Virginia sitting at 46. Close. Butler, a long-range three. Knocks down the triple. Three more by Jared Butler. You know, he's just shooting with such confidence. When he's doing that, not a better player in the league. That's John Morris, Baylor Sports Network from Learfield IMG. 70-59 to 59 was the final score. It really wasn't as close as that 11-point margin would indicate, Coach. I, I mean... Baylor just jumped on West Virginia early. Mountaineers had turnover issues in the first half. And that gym in Waco, where Kansas will visit next Saturday, uh, was rocking. I mean, that place was was bouncing. Uh, Baylor is legit. I mean, obviously, they, they've won, what, 20-some-odd games in a row now. But uh, they, are, they are a force. That's an impressive squad, offensively and defensively. Well, uh, two things uh, about Baylor. Number one, um, they are a much better team than the than the average fan knows. Uh, I think they're very versatile. They, um, you know, they can score the ball. They can score from outside. They've got a good inside attack. Uh, they they get up and down the court. They play with some speed. Uh, they're a fun team to watch. Uh, they've got great balance across their lineup. Uh, one through five, they bring good uh, uh, when they sub. They don't lose anything coming off the bench. So they're, they're, they're really good on the offensive end. Now, now, the thing I think that makes them different this year than some others, um, you know, Scott Drew has been criticized in some corners, not here, not on this program, uh, not on this podcast, but uh, it had been, you know, criticized for defensively not being up to national standards. That is not true this year. Remember now, he took his uh, Baylor Bears right into Lawrence, Kansas, uh, two, three, four weeks ago, and um, won for the first time in the long, long time Baylor at, uh, at Kansas. Uh, you don't do that unless you've got a really balanced team that is balanced on offense and it'll be really strong on defense. And his team... It continues to get better as you go along. So I have nothing but, but praise for Baylor right now. You mentioned uh, the arena that they play in down there. It's small by uh, national standards. Uh, but uh, when they get it filled, and believe me, it will be filled uh, come this summing Saturday uh, when Kansas rolls in there, it is an intimidating place. I took my South Carolina team down there. We played a home-and-home -home, uh, with Baylor and. Uh, we, the first game uh, we played was at Baylor, and our South Carolina team went down there, and we skinned them. We beat them really good. Uh, Trey Kelly, I think, got 28 points, and 
uh, it was a really, really good day for us. The next year they came to Columbia and beat us. Close game, but they beat us. So I, I, um, I have respect for Scott Drew and his team, and, and uh, I think they're certainly deserving of number one. Now, when I look at, uh, at what's unfolding this coming Saturday in Waco, the one thing I don't like is the 12 o'clock Eastern start. That's 11 a.m. local. 11 a.m. local. I don't like that. I don't, I don't know why. I don't know why. What time should it be? Well, I think, that's, I think that's the marquee game of the weekend. No doubt. And I think it should be 4 o'clock on Saturday afternoon, 8 o'clock on Saturday night. I mean, give people time to get up and get going. I mean, that, that, is, that is going to be right at the end of college game day. Yeah. I mean, which a lot of people watch. Sure. And it'll flow into the game itself. Coach, I'll do you one better. Uh, the the, the Baylor-West Virginia game this past weekend, that was not on television. The only place you could watch that was on ESPN+. Plus. It was stream only. Yeah, that's bad. It is bad. And that's a Big 12 thing. But to your point... You know, ESPN's broadcasting the game. There's no reason they couldn't slide it around kind of a la what we do during college football season where tip times are TBD. Now, that happens with the CBS game in certain conferences yeah. this time of the year. Games are TBD because of tip, uh, and they want to see how good these teams are. But, yeah, Baylor, Kansas, Saturday in Waco, noon Eastern tip, 11 a.m. E- local. ESPN. Tip. Correct. Uh, Worldwide I- leader, folks. Um, Serba, look up the other games that uh, ESPN is going to do on Saturday afternoon, Saturday night. Just kind of it'd be interesting to know who they have, you know, what, what time slot they got there. I don't well, know. while Serba does that, uh, we'll put them to work real quick because we're talking about Baylor and Kansas. Baylor handled their business, 22 wins in a row. They beat a good West Virginia team in Waco. What about KU? Jayhawks taking on Oklahoma and Kansas took care of their business as well. Well, thought about another three, pulls back on it. He'll drive instead, lobs the dope. Oh, he throws it down Uh and he pulls back that retro jersey. He says to the fans, come on, I want some more. A throw down from six feet out. Wow. We are going to be seeing that one for a long time. That's Brian Haney and uh, Greg Gard on the uh, Jayhawk Sports Network. Greg, Greg Gurley. Greg Gurley, I beg your pardon. Oh, I started to say, he, he's a... Uh, 87 to 70, the final score. They won by 17 at home, and they busted out the retro jerseys. Kansas. If, you're, if you're into that sort of thing, yes, Kansas. Yeah, mo- most of the retros, I'm not much on. But, uh, <laughs> Udoka yeah. Azabuki, 15 points, 17 rebounds. Again, it sets up a showdown in Waco. I'd be curious to see how the pollsters handle. I mean, we're taping the show on a Monday afternoon. We haven't seen the new AP Top 25. They might slide Kansas to two ahead of Gonzaga just, just to have that one no, versus two thing going. No, they won't do that. Okay, it, all right. It's going to be one versus three, but three is not going to be afraid of one. I don't think. It's going to be, I, you know, I was talking to a very, very famous Kansas alumnus last week. You were talking to Paul Pierce last week? A very famous one. You were talking to Will Chamberlain <laughs> last week? No, I was talking to an alumnus. I'm not sure Will Chamberlain graduated. But anyway, I was talking to a very famous um, KU 
alumnus and I said, we got Kansas traveling to Waco next Saturday. And he looked at me and I looked at him. I said, they're not worried. And he only shook his head. No. And went on to another topic. <laughs> Meaning that, you know, Kansas has been in that kind of situation uh, a number of times. I, I happen to, well, I've been a Kansas booster ever since Maui, since I had him over there. And I have not gotten off that train yet. Um, I love their speed. They have speed to burn. They have more speed than any other team in the country. Uh, and the one thing that I've said over and over and over again is they run down loose balls, which gives them extra possessions, uh, extra possessions to either shoot the three, to put the ball in Dotson's hand, let him drive, or either get the ball into uh, Doka and let him do his, uh, his, his uh, magic down on the, on the box. So, you know, I think it's just uh, a really, really – it's an exciting game. I am definitely going to watch that because I think that's going to be the best game of the weekend. You got now, an early lean on that game, Coach? Because I don't get a chance to talk to you between now and Saturday when they tip that thing off. I mean, who do you like in that matchup, knowing that Baylor won at Kansas's place earlier in the year? I, I think Kansas wins it. Wow. I, I do. Um, I, I I don't know. Uh, Serba, who, who does uh, – th these, these two teams have games earlier in the week. Like Baylor is at where? Uh, well, Baylor, I believe, has Oklahoma State, and Kansas gets Kansas has a game Iowa tonight. State tonight. Kansas gets yeah. Iowa State tonight, Monday night. All right, does um, Baylor uh, has Oklahoma tonight? Oklahoma. Okay, very good. Tuesday, tomorrow. Tuesday. So rest is not a factor. I mean, with, with either one of them, they'll both be coming off wins, most likely, and um, they'll just set their sights on uh, just a collision down in Waco. Kansas is at home tonight against Iowa State. They're a 16-point favorite. I do believe Baylor, uh, are they on the road Tuesday night? Yeah, they do have to go to Norman. Just putting that out there. Norman? You know, they got to go to, they go, you know, Lon Kruger's Ooh. team at home. Ooh. Look ahead spot. I mean, it's college oh. sports. It's oh, not going to be a walk away. You know, I thought we'll you see. said Oklahoma State. I did, and I was wrong. Okay. <laughs> they are at Oklahoma. Oh, okay. That's a, that's, a, that's a risky game there. They better be prepared for that. Uh, Lon Kruger is – he's no joke. So I mean, you like Kansas to get it done. I do. Saturday. I just i just do because I see they have no flaws. They have no – maybe Baylor doesn't either, but um, I, I, like, I like the experience of Bill Self in a game like that. Okay. All right. Yeah, I, don't th I mean, that's fine. I don't think, I don't think it's going to be a blowout either way. It should be a great game. But, I think um, Bill Self is one of, if not as good a – game coaches there is in the country. I mean, I think he, he – I watch him, and he makes really good adjustments at, at, at just the right time. I, I, I'm, I'm a big Bill Self booster as a coach. I really do. Not that I don't like Scott Drew. I do. I love – I know you like all these coaches. I know, I how, know. You, I know how you roll. I don't, like, I don't like Shaka Khan, though. <laughs> just burying <laughs> poor Shaka Khan. All right, let's run through the rest of the top five – uh, Baylor, Kansas, it's going to be a monster showdown on Saturday. And uh, you heard it. Coach Odom likes KU to get it done on the road. But it'll be close. What about know. the Zags? The number two team in the land had a road game at Pepperdine. It was tight early in Malibu. Zags, though, pull away late. 
Admon breaks out, bounces it for Ayayi in the front court, pulls up on the break and shoots a three. That one is good. And just like that, the Bulldogs have their biggest lead of the game. It's 56 to 45. That's Tom Hudson, voice of the Zags. Uh, audio of uh, from the Gonzaga Sports Network from Learfield IMG College. I mean, look, Coach, there are a lot of really good teams out West. San Diego State's another one. They beat Boise State, blew them out at their place, 72-55. to The Aztecs are 26-0. Gonzaga has lost one game this season. It was to Michigan in the battle for Atlantis way back in November, and it was a game, quite frankly, where Gonzaga just... It wasn't that they didn't have their stuff. It was just that Michigan was red hot. They, everything Michigan was throwing up went in. It was one I of those be, I games. I believe Gonzaga had one of the best players out that game. Was Tilly? Did he? Tilly was not in that game. Yeah, uh, so he I was mean, still sitting out with an injury. But yeah. look, this this Petrusev kid had 27 points against Pepperdine. Gonzaga's doing what Gonzaga does, where they've got like five or six different guys. They're all Swiss Army knives. Like, they can do it all. You know, like the future of basketball, as we've seen at the NBA level, Coach, it's like positionless basketball you don't play with a center very few teams do that now I know that Azubuki's a center I know that Obi Toppin kid at Dayton is like you know power forward center but most of these guys are you know interchangeable guard wing slasher type guys and Gonzaga man I mean just go down the roster I mean everybody who played in that game had double figure scoring for them I think their top six or seven average double figures yeah it's amazing they, they've got the best potent offense in the country. I mean, they, they, they really can go to six, seven deep and not lose anything. Uh, they shoot the ball well. They share the ball well. Uh, they throw the ball inside for baskets. They shoot the ball outside to keep balance. Um, I think Mark Few, I'd put him in that upper four or five coaches in the country uh, as game coaches. Um you know, like a Bill Self. You know, I, I, I kind of just praise Bill Self. I would praise Mark Few equally. I think he's outstanding. He knows who he is. He knows what he wants from his team. Um, he uh, knows how to recruit. Uh, and I don't know where he keeps coming up with all these players and how well, he does it. He's going international. I mean, the Petrusev well, kid is from, I believe, Serbia so I'm, or, or, or Bulgaria. But, I mean, they've been going to Australia to get guys. I mean – I mean, I don't, I don't remember where Big Shem was from a couple of years ago. That Karnuski kid. I mean, yeah. they just they get guys. Sabonis, who who left for the draft. You know, the son of an NBA Hall of Famer. So yeah, it's it's a pipeline. I mean, they used to get it done with kids that were not elite McDonald's High School All American guys. That stuff is over. Like they're bringing elite talent into Spokane. It's crazy. So anyway, right, well, I mean, unless something happens, they're going to be a number one seed in the NCAA tournament. Probably in the West. And guess where their West regional final is? Uh, I don't know. Spokane. Really? Yeah. Sp really? Yeah. I'm almost positive. I'll double check. Uh. Not at the kennel, obviously, but at the uh, at the big joint there in uh, Spokane. Server, if I'm wrong, you can definitely call me out on that. We'll look it up. Wow. But Gonzaga's won 18 in a row. They've won 39 straight regular season West Coast Conference games, 39 straight. I think the West Coast Conference is a little better this year, too. but It's, it's not, a three-bid league because you got BYU and you got uh, St. Mary's. So it's not trash. It's not like what it used to be. It's not, it's not up to Gonzaga's standard. I mean, it still looks like they're probably going to go the rest of the year and not lose a game but until, you know, the NCAA tournament. But, uh, 
They, 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 um, that could be Spokane, really? Wow. Oh, boy. West Regional Final is at the Staples Center in Los Angeles, California. The first and second rounds are at Spokane Veterans Memorial Arena. Do better. Yeah. I, yeah. I do need to do better. It's Monday. I'm a host Weeks of a show. Yeah, I didn't think that. It did. talks basketball, and I just, just totally just all over myself. Uh, yes, your four regional final sites, L.A. in the west, the Midwest is in uh, Indianapolis. The South is in Houston. And the East Regional Final is at the Garden in New York City. That's a great lineup of regional final locations. It mm. is. Um, Lucas Oil Stadium, though, that's a football joint yeah. for the Midwest Regional. That's unfortunate. Like, we're already doing that for the Final Four. I mean, Coach, you've been to these. You've been to all of them. When the Final Four is at a football stadium that's being converted into a basketball court, I know you've got good seats because the NABC takes care of you and you've got clout, but that's not the greatest spectator environment versus a basketball arena. Like in Houston, it's, the to- it's at the Toyota Center where the Rockets play. The Garden, obviously a basketball place. The Staples Center, Well, you know what I'm saying? But in Indianapolis, Indiana, coach can vouch for this, Indiana's a basketball state. Like Indiana and North Carolina are the two states where that's fine. college basketball matters a lot more than anything else. And so – they will sell out Lucas Oil Stadium. If they try to do it where the Pacers play, which is what something Fieldhouse, uh, they probably would have a lot of people who are bummed that they didn't get in. Lucas Oil, they'll sell it out. Well, I know we won't talk about San Diego State next, but if you just project ahead to the four number one seeds, projected number one seeds at this time, who would they be? Baylor, Gonzaga, Kansas, and San Diego State, assuming that San Diego State doesn't start losing games, though. No, no, I said at this time. I, those would be the four. Okay. Now, then, where would you place them regionally? Ooh. Because you got two West Coast teams there. Right. Which one of them's going to bounce out of there? I think they'd put Gonzaga out West. I do, too. And that, that, that would mean that San Diego State goes where? East. Probably. Let's see. Uh, Jerry Palm's got Baylor as the number one region in the or number one team in the South, which is Houston. Yeah. Major geographic advantage there. Kansas going to Indy, number one seed in the Midwest. San Diego State, number one seed in the East, going to go. New York. And Gonzaga, number one seed in the West. Here's the thing, though. I could do that. I in, the that <laughs> in the history of the NCAA tournament, no, there's never been a year where more than two number one seeds have gone have been from west of the Mississippi. And you're looking at a year where there might be four. How about that? Say that again. I don't think in the history of the NCAA tournament, and again, server's going to have to fact check me on this because I think Norlander was talking about this on our show last week, and we'll get Pete Gillen in here in just a second from CBS Sports. But in the history of the NCAA tournament, one seeds, just number one seeds, there have never been more than two number one seeds in an NCAA tournament west of the Mississippi. This year you're looking at all four west of the Mississippi. That would be a thing. Interesting. Marinate on that. We'll bring in Pete Gillen from CBS Sports, talk about San Diego State and others after this. CSN. Woo! Got my nachos, got my big TV, and my favorite chair. It's game time. But you know, the only thing that would make it a little better is if I could listen to my local broadcasters while watching the game. Hello. You must have wished for your game to be synced with TV and radio. I sure did. Do you have a DVR? You bet. Do you have a streaming device? Yeah. Blammo. Your game is now synced. It's that easy. Oh, boy. To see if you can get synced, head to SyncMyGame.com from Learfield IMG College. SyncMyGame.com? SyncMyGame.com. 
We keep the college hoops talk rolling here alongside Coach Odom. I'm Stephen Hartzell, and we are pleased to be joined, Coach, by one of your former ACC brethren, Pete Gillen, on the line with us now with CBS Sports. Pete Gillen, thank you so much for making the time for us. How are you today? My pleasure. Thanks for having me on your show. Peter, uh, you're living a different life now. You're, uh, you're CBS Sports. You're on every week. Got multiple games. Uh, interesting thing to me is uh, most of your games are west of the Mississippi. Uh, why so? And tell us about basketball out on the West Coast. Good question, David. I, I, I love going out there. It's, it's a bit of a travel. I beat you up, you know, coming down the stretch in February and early March. But uh, I do a lot of Mountain West games and, you know, some games in the American Athletic Conference, two outstanding conferences. Uh, but uh, I love the Mountain West a lot and American uh, Mountain West, they get great venues like San Diego State uh, is a great place. UNLV, Vegas, Colorado State's a really nice town. And, uh, you know, they're all uh, arenas right on campus, so there's a lot of enthusiasm. Very good basketball. It's not the ACC, but it's, it's still a very good time. Same with the American Athletic Conference. I have them tomorrow. I have Memphis and uh, East Carolina, ECU. So uh, looking forward to seeing uh, Joe Dooley and Penny Hardaway. So, uh, you know, it's it's a lot of travel, but uh, it's fun doing it. I, I get a couple of Big East games uh, that Fox doesn't want. I had like three Big East games, and uh, those are the main league conference USA. I do one or two of them. So I keep busy. So five and a half months, David, I'm, and Steven, I'm running around like a maniac. But then the other six and a half months, I pick my spots, might do a clinic or something like that, and uh, go overseas and, and work at a camp sometimes. But uh, So I, I enjoy it. But, uh, you know, it, it is a pretty busy five and a half months. Pete, um... I heard yesterday, and I, I don't know a lot about what's going on way out west, but I heard one of the announcers yesterday when they were talking about San Diego State, and they said without question their student body is called, what is it, the show or something like that? The show, exactly, David. Are yeah, they the that show. good? Yeah. He called them the number one uh, student body in the country. They could be. They're awesome. I mean, they go crazy. They're, they're fired up, you know, and uh, there's a chance. Uh, I believe, I believe we, I believe we're going to win. I believe they'll go crazy. I, you know, they'll, they <laughs> chant together and uh, they go nuts. They're, they're up there. Utah State's got a great, uh, uh, believe it or not, uh, student body, too. They're in cheers and they're all synchronized. Uh, I do some of their games in Logan, Utah. So that's a bit of a trip. Uh, you fly into Salt Lake and you drive up a mountain for about an hour and 15 minutes and it's a beautiful town but it's a it's a hole getting up there but they got a great student body and i was at a game yesterday at wichita state uh, against tulane and they uh their you know crowd their atmosphere there is awesome uh, they've you know they've won 90 percent of their games the last 10 years at home so they have a great um you know crowd there the student body is good but the, the overall the crowd is is fired up they all put on their phones and the lights are flashing and uh you know I got to wear a helmet at some of these games. Pete, on the <laughs> floor, talk about this Aztec squad, right? Because they're 26 and 0. They're running away with the Mountain West Conference. But if, if, if you start to put this team under the microscope, I mean, assuming they win out, I mean, you're looking at, at a number one seed for San Diego State. H how good are these guys? Terrific team. They don't have any superstar player. They don't have, you know, uh, a great, great, you know, guy, a, a talent. Uh, like a James Weissman, who was at Memphis early, to, you know, who declared hardship during the season. They don't have uh, superstars, but they got, uh, you know, really nice parts that fit together. A young man named Malachi Flynn, he's a transfer from Washington State. He's a terrific player, about a six-two guard, 
He, he's got a real swagger with him, so he gives everybody some confidence. It's about 16 points a game. Uh, another transfer, uh, Yanni Wetzel, young man from uh, Vanderbilt. And he didn't play a lot of Vanderbilt, maybe six-man, part-time starter, but he's playing great. For him. 6'10", skilled, big man. He was a world-class tennis player. You know, Dave is a great tennis player. And uh, he, uh, when he was like 13, 14, he was like a world-class player from uh, New Zealand. So he's got great feet, anticipate. Uh, Matt Mitchell, uh, he lost about 15, 20 pounds of forward. Really shoot it. And another transfer from Herb Sendek, who David and I know, from Santa Clara, uh, uh, K.J. Fagan is a, is a good play. So they, the whole world is transfers now. A little different when we coach in the ACC. It's uh, transfer portal. My wife wants to put me in the transfer portal, but I'm going to try to <laughs> hang around. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, all these great teams, Baylor's got a bunch of transfers. San Diego's got, got three transfer starters, right? Um, Kansas got Isaac, right, from Iowa. He's a pretty good player, shooter. So all these schools, maybe Duke, maybe the one, you know, they've had in the past, but uh, a lot of the top schools in the country have transfers. That's the way it's going real now, Steve. One, one more on the West Coast, uh, and I think everybody in acclamation says, yeah, and that's Gonzaga. I mean, they just keep ticking along, winning games. They got great balance. They score the ball. Uh, offense is great. Defense is good. And I think they've got one of the best coaches, game coaches in the country in Mark Few. What do you think? Great point, David. I did them also. I did uh, Gonzaga against Santa Clara, Herbie Sendek, who we both know well. Uh, I did them a couple of weeks ago, and they probably have arguably the best front line in the country. They got a guy, Pestushev, who's a big a guy from, I believe, Lithuania, uh, Demi, uh, Tilly, right? Who's a, uh, Killian Tilly is a 6'10 skilled guy, very, very good player. Um, you know, and they got another guy in the front line that's, that's terrific. Uh, so they're, they're really good. Transfer from North Texas named Wainwright. It was lightning quick, one of the fastest point guards in the country. A graduate transfer. There's another one, Gonzaga. I mean, they, they get a, a you know, transfer. And it's Ed Wainwright, who's a terrific point guard. So they're very good. Uh, you know, I think uh, they certainly got a chance to win the whole thing. It's funny, Dan Dickow, as you know, played at Gonzaga. He's up there. He lives in Spokane. And he says, you know, this is not one of the better teams, but they could win the national title because – you know, there's no superstar team right now. Maybe it's Baylor. I don't know, but I don't think there's any superstar team right now. So he said, Gonzaga, we've had three or four teams better than them, but this Gonzaga team could win the whole thing, and they could. So uh, I think the two West Coast teams, Gonzaga and uh, San Diego State, have a chance to win the whole thing. I can't. I can't remember the last time uh, two potential number one seeds are going to come off the West Coast, and uh, I think it's almost certain it's going to happen this year, but maybe not. Maybe, maybe one of them will lose, but uh, I, don't, I don't see it myself. Let's move east, Pete. Um, give us a thumbnail opinion of what you think about the Big East, the American Athletic, and the Atlantic 10. Those, 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 those three kind of roll it out there to us. Okay, David. Uh, Big you know, East. I was experimental admissions in college. That's a, that's a lot of you know a lot of questions. I'll try to answer. But the Big East, I, I've had just two of their games. Um, but I think top to bottom, David, arguably, it might be the best conference in the country. And I say, well, well that's you know, it's a, a partial prejudice thing because you're from East. No, well, DePaul is tenth in the conference. DePaul went to Iowa, beat Iowa by 15 at Iowa. DePaul beat Texas Tech an excellent team, top 20 team for a good part of the year. DePaul went to Minnesota, solid Big Ten team, beat Minnesota at Minnesota, beat BC at BC. 
So they're tenth. They may be one in ten, one in eleven right now. Wow. So the Big East is a is a monster. Now it's not. They don't have a great team once again. There's no great Villanova team, even though very good. Seton Hall lost two or three in a row the last couple of uh, you know ten days, two weeks. But you know, team by team, I, I had Butler the other day against Xavier, my one of my old schools, and uh, you know Butler's very good. But they, you know they look great, and the next two days later they lose to Georgetown at home at Butler. So I, I think the, the Big Ten is great, but Big Ten, you know, a couple of teams down at the bottom, Northwestern, you know, is you know not super strong. All right, Minnesota's not great. Nebraska, they got a couple of teams that are solid, but you know, I mean, you know, pretty good, uh, easy wins. But the, you know, the uh, Big East does not have that. DePaul is very athletic. They almost beat Villanova a couple of times. They just can't finish the deal. So I think the Big East is, you know, uh, is very good. I, I think arguably it, it it's very very close you know, to the Big Ten, the Big 12, maybe better, top to bottom, you know. So uh, the American, uh, I had them the other day, Wichita State against um, Tulane, and uh, Wichita State is a very young team. they got 10 or 11 freshmen and sophomores, but they're good. You know, Kelvin Sampson, uh, David very well, and he's a great coach. Uh, and Tim Jankovic at SMU, he's tremendous, tremendous coach. And, and uh, he had some injuries, and they were on probation, as you know, for a number of years. They didn't have the full scholarship limit. Now they do for the first time in three or four years. Uh, and they're doing very well. Uh, so they're tough, which is our state's very good. Uh, you know, Houston, Tulsa, Frank Hayes doing a good job uh, at Houston, excuse me, at Tulsa. So th- that league is excellent. They could get three or four teams in the big dance. Memphis, I have them tomorrow night. Uh, and, you know, they, they could have been a, a, a lead eight Final Four team if Wiseman, who might be the first or second pick in the draft, if he stayed in, but he, he was, you know, uh, suspended for nine games for, uh, you know, Penny brought his family up from, uh, you know, uh, Nashville, I believe, and, you know, bought him a place in uh, home in Memphis. So they were suspended, but then he went hardship. Uh, but Memphis is still talented at Chewett. So uh, Chewett is a, a big guy, about 6'9", 6'10", can play. Boogie Ellis is a good guard. So, uh, big, you know, the American is a very good league. Uh, USF's improved a lot. They, they played much better. Uh, and to the bottom, the bottom of that league, the Americans gotten better. You know, uh, Ron Hunter is going to do a good job at Tulane, and Joe Dooley, who uh, David and I know, uh, is going to do a good job at ECU. So the bottom is much better at the American. Once again, no great team. I think the first place team might have three losses. Uh, and the A10, uh, you know, I, I think that's it's a very good league. Once again, Dayton's off the chart. I mean, with Obi Toppin and Dayton, that's a potential. Uh, Elite Eight Final Four team with Toppin, you know, is in the conversation for the best player in the country. He won't get it because he's not from a Power Five league, you know, Duke or, you know, somebody from Duke or Carolina, not this year, but, you know, one of the ACCs or Big Ten or Big 12 will probably get it. But Toppin's unbelievable, 6'9, he's like jumping off a trampoline. Uh, but they're very good. Rhode Island's good. Uh, VCU's good. So the A10 could get three teams in. So the A10 is a, is a very good conference. Again, much better than last year. Last year, I think they only got two teams in it, a little down, but A-10 is much stronger. Pete, I'm curious, you know, with Selection Sunday now less than four weeks away, you talk about these teams that are really good, um, but the amount of parity in college basketball this year, you know, how do you separate so many teams that are kind of really good? Because to your point, there's no elite team. There's, there's not a, a, a squad out there that's just going to run through things like we've seen in previous years, you know, whether it's a, a loaded Duke team or a loaded Kentucky team, a sure thing. In other words, it, it doesn't seem like there's any sure things this year, 
There's a lot of really good teams, and you've run through a lot of those. But I'm just curious, like, do you look at coaching? Do you look at veteran leadership? You know, how do you start to separate this group of what seems like 10 to 15 teams that might be, all be able to make it to Atlanta to the Final Four? You know, good question, Stephen. I, I think, as you said, everybody says that, David, every year there's so much parity, right? There's so many teams. This year, it's really, really, really true. I mean, there's so many teams that can come out of the woodwork and, and you know, like in Iowa. Nobody talks about Iowa, but they got Garza, the big guy inside. Weiss Camp is a wing guy, you know, so they, they could make a run. I mean, uh, and nobody talks about Iowa. And, uh, so there's a lot of so many good teams. I think the key is uh, you have to have a quality point guard. A point guard, a really elite point guard. I think that's so, so important, like a Cassius Winston at Michigan State. Elite point guard is important. A veteran coach certainly helps, you know, an experienced team. Like Baylor. Baylor's got a bunch of transfers and experienced guys, so. And they're on a roll, winning 19, 20 in a row, whatever it is. So there's certainly a team that can, of course, win the whole thing. Um, I think a point guard is so important. And you got to make baskets. you got to be able to shoot the basketball. Usually the great defensive team, you got to play pretty good D, but you got to put the ball in a basket. you got to knock down threes. I, I think that's so important. So I think to answer your question, Stephen, as best I can, a uh, quality and elite point guard is so important. You know, a team with a veteran coach certainly helps a lot, though that's not yet. Uh, you know, a must, but that certainly helps a lot. Um, and be able to, you know, uh, knock down threes because uh, the saying Chuck Daly said, shooting makes up for a multitude of sins. So in the NCAA tournament, you got to be able to score the ball. Pete, as we wind down, you uh, and I know you got to get, get moving here, so we're going to let you go. But, you know, when you look at uh, potentially who the four teams are that might make the final four, um, and I don't know who you would say, but, um, you know, listen to you describe what it takes to be that kind of team. Uh, I envision, uh, and it comes to mind, Gonzaga is one of those teams that I think they're just so well put together. They play so well on each end of the court. Uh, they rebound the ball well. They do not turn the ball over. Um, and they've been there. Um, you know, six, seven, eight years ago, everybody was saying Gonzaga's not going to ever do it because they don't play a, a tough schedule and they're just not going to get there. They, they'll, they'll lose somewhere along the way. They've proven now that they can get there. Now, they haven't won it. They haven't won the national championship, but a lot of teams haven't won it. And I, I think they're one of the teams right now, one of the three teams that I would, I would nominate is saying – they can, they can win the national championship this year. Kansas is another one. Um, I love Kansas's team. I said this before you came on, Pete. The thing I love about Kansas' team is their speed. They run loose balls down. Loose balls give you extra po possessions. They've got a good inside attack. Um, and Dotson and these other guys, uh, Hayes, they, they can shoot the ball. They can score the ball. They can drive the ball. Uh, they defend it. And like Mark Few, I think Bill Self, one of the great game coaches uh, in our game today. And then the third team, I think at this point, it changes, I think is Duke. Uh, Duke is coming. Uh, they, they, they do what you said a while ago. They shoot the ball. They can score the ball. They've got a great uh, point guard in uh, the kid, Trey Jones. So, uh, you know, th th that would be the three that I'd throw out there. And that's not – just eliminating Baylor. I mean, I know they're good and all. We'll see. They play Kansas next Saturday. Uh, what do you think? You, you going to blow me out on those, Pete, or what? 
<laughs> no, great choices, David. Is you know, it's a fine line. Who's healthy? Who turns an ankle? Who's got a bad back? As you know, uh, Gonzaga Tilly was hurt for a while. I think he's back in. When we did the game, he got hurt, and they played Santa Clara, landed on his ankle, and I think he missed the game or so. But he's back. So yeah, no, those are great choices. I, I think uh, they for sure. Um, Louisville once again is one of my former players, Chris Mack, coach at Louisville. Uh, with Warrior, you know, he struggled a little bit, a couple of losses. Uh, hopefully he'll get, you know, on track again, I guess, lost at Clemson and at Georgia Tech. So, uh, but I think they get, they get a chance. Um, you know, they're good. I, I think Dayton has a sleeper. I mean, uh, Dayton, uh, I, offensively, I think they're one of the best shooting percentage teams in the country. So as a sleeper, David, I, I think Dayton is a guy to consider. And, yeah. and San Diego State, once again, they, they're put together. They just, you know, you know what they do? They play great defense, San Diego State. They shoot it pretty well. They got a terrific point guard, you know. Uh, KJ Fagan is really their point, and he's very good, great defender. Uh, I think San Diego State has a chance, you know, a couple of teams. But the ones you picked are certainly great. The Gonzaga is terrific. The front line is scary. They, they just, you know, and they bring a young man off the bench. I forget his name. Uh, uh, a freshman from Dallas, who's six eight six nine. So until they got hurt, they don't blink. They bring in, you know, waves and waves like the Atlantic Ocean. You gotta, you know, you need a lifeguard to play against some of these guys. They're uh, they're tough, but. Uh, those are good choices, David. You're very surreal, but you're always very smart. <laughs> we played each other. You know, I, I played checkers. He was playing chess, David. He always uh, outfoxed me one Pete, way or the other. That's a perfect lead into my final question because Coach Odom is not a big, you know, self promoter. He, he comes in, he does his work, he punches the clock. Very blue collar here on the podcast, but. He's getting honored this week at Uh-oh. Wake Forest. Okay, they're going to hoist a banner into the rafters. The 95 team's coming back. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. Uh, Pete, you guys locked horns in the ACC when you, and your, when you were doing your thing at Virginia. Can you give me one story? Can you give me one anecdote uh, when you were going head-to-head with Coach Odom back in the 90s? You got something for us? Well, no anecdote, but, I mean, he was, uh, you know, he was always a finesse. He was uh, very, uh, very cagey. You know, he used to say uh, he was like Columbo. Remember Columbo, the old detective? I'm dating myself. An old raincoat, and you ask Columbo, you know, uh, you know, he always says, is that right? You mean you can do that? Is that right? Is that, you know, is that and meanwhile, the game's over. It's, it, you know, he plays dumb, but he, he you know, he, it's checkmate. <laughs> you know, so Dave always, now we, we have nothing. We got donuts. We got guys that no necks, no uniforms. We stink. You'll beat us by 30 tonight, and he beats us by 15. So he, he plays like he <laughs> he's Columbo. You know, doesn't know what's going on. And meanwhile, he outfoxes you. So let me say, I love him. Let me say this, Stephen. This is something you would not know. Pete Gillen and I go back to, it's got to be in the 70s, hasn't it, Pete? I mean, uh, Honesdale, yep. Yep. Uh, yep. five-star yep. basketball yep. camp, both high school coaches, he out of Brooklyn, me out of uh, Durham, North Carolina, and we met each other teaching basketball. Basketball was a conduit to get us together, and those were some of the greatest days of our lives. And I, I can speak for Pete because I know he feels the same way. We made some unbelievable friendships. Howard Garfinkel, uh, Tom Konchowski, Will Klein. Oh, boy. Buddy Gardler just lost him. Yep. Uh, but we had we had great times, didn't we, Pete? Yeah, we did. It was a it was a teaching camp, Stephen. No, nothing like it, it even comes close today. It was you get up at seven thirty, quarter eight in the morning, and you have stations early, nine o'clock, nine fifteen, and it's basketball from nine till about ten o'clock at night. You know, twelve thirteen hours. It's, it was unbelievable. And, I, and like David said, we had great friendships, and we still have today relationships. And uh, 
yeah, we go back a long way. But uh, David's certainly a, a great coach, and he's a better person. So uh, enjoy being with you guys today. Ooh. So you guys were fighting over kids for the better part of about three decades, Listen, huh? That's how that went, huh? We could do another whole program on the names that came through that that camp while we were there. I'm here for that. Moses Malone, guys like that. I mean, yep. Dominique Wilkins, yep, Michael, Michael Jordan, Jordan Michael. Uh, uh, Isaiah Thomas. I mean, we could go on and Alonzo on. Moore. Patrick Ewing. That's awesome. Go ahead, yep. Pete. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Alonzo Mourning was there. It was some great, great players, uh, you know, unreal talent. Mark Aguirre, you know, uh, you know, Isaiah Thomas, as you said. So it was like, who's who? You know, uh, Chris Paul was at the camp, you know, uh, uh, one time. So, uh, uh, you know, LeBron James was there one time. He was a rising stop. I wasn't there then, but he was there at the camp. So it, it, it was a great experience. And uh, Howard Garfinkel, Lord of Mercy on him, was uh, uh, unbelievable. Uh, and, uh, you know, he touched a lot of lives, certainly my life and David's for sure. No question. Well, Pete, we know you're extremely busy. Uh, we tune in. We enjoy your work on CBS Sports. Uh, enjoy the Memphis trip. And, you know, we look forward to seeing you and watching you on TV uh, coming up here down the home stretch. Four weeks to go in the regular season. Thanks so much. Do it again. Thanks, Thanks Peter. Steve. Thanks, Tra- David. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. Safe Bye travels. It's awesome. Pete Gillen, oh, CBS he's great. Sports. I'm going to tell you, he's one of the real coaches – and great guys uh, in uh, – well, he's one of my best friends. Well, I told Server this before the show. You know, we're looking at the rundown. I was like, hey, we're going to bring Pete Gillen on. This yeah. guy sounds like basketball. You got, you got prime time with Pete. Yeah. yeah. It's, I mean, it's just it's – that, it's that New Yorker in him, you know? I just like to make a plea. And I, every time – I worked on the NABC Guardians of the Game podcast with Coach for two years. Um, and every time five-star basketball camp gets brought up, I'm going to plead now once again with ESPN to make a 30 for 30 on the five-star basketball camp because it's one of the most influential untold stories uh, of basketball. The people who know about it know what a difference it's made in the game, Um, but I feel like a lot of people don't know that it's a thing, and they don't know that guys like Moses Malone and Isaiah Thomas and LeBron James and Michael Jordan all came up through this camp with all these incredible coaches every single year. Uh, for what about thirty or forty years? How'd right? you get invited to that camp? Was that it was an invitational type thing? I'm you assuming? mean, as a camper or as a coach? Well, both. But I mean, you know, shed back, uh, you know, peel back the curtain on some of that, if you don't mind. Well, uh, the uh, for me as a coach, how did I get up here? I was a high school coach in Durham, North Carolina, at Durham High School, and uh, just two miles away from Durham High School was Duke University. And uh, coaching at that time, this, now you got to understand, this is, you know, the early 70s. Uh, the head coach was Bucky Waters. The two assistants, now listen to this, the two assistants at Duke University were, look at me now, Chuck Daly and Hubie Brown. Wow. And we play Hillside one night. Hillside was the uh, – School on the other side of town, predominantly all black. We were kind of a biracial school, and we played one night at Durham High School, sold out five, 6,000 people there, great basketball game. They had John Lucas on their team, and we had a really good team of players that went on to college themselves. Great game. After the game, Hubie Brown and Chuck Daly came to my office. We won. And they said, and I'm kind of cut corners here and go ahead and say it. 
they said, look, uh, we, uh, we go up to this camp called Five Star Basketball Camp. You ever heard of it? I said, no. They said, it's up in the Pocono Mountains. And um, the guy that owns that camp uh, is Howard Garfinkel. And if you would like to work that camp, we'll have him call you sometime in the next week and arrange that. So I said, yeah, I'd love to do that. It'd be fun. And um, so they leave. Hubie Brown now, Chuck Daly. They leave. And I'm saying, I ain't going to hear it. Here's a Jewish guy from New York City. He don't care about me. There's no reason for him to. And I won't ever hear from him. The next morning, it wasn't even the next week. It was the next morning he calls me. He says, Chuck and Hubie call me. You're great. You're going to be a great young coach one day. And I want you to come to my camp and I want you to teach the offensive pick and roll. Okay. (laughs) And so that summer, I loaded a school bus, one of those yellow school buses. Oh, man. I put put about 10 to 15 players from the Raleigh-Durham area Mm -hmm. on that bus Mm -hmm. with Ed McLean, who was the Broughton coach. And we went trucking up the mountain to Honesdale, Pennsylvania. I've never been up here in my life. We had a yellow school bus. That's amazing. Got off, and that's where that's where it started. So they for weren't me. really. So it wasn't just recruiting kids. It was they were recruiting coaches like yourselves who oh, were yeah. in high school. Yeah, they, who yeah, were it was. On it, was, it, was it was blowing up. Um, Pocono Mountains. That's where a lot of the college players back in those days went to play in the summer. They'd they'd work at the hotels up there and play basketball at night, and that's how they got to be really, really good. A lot of the New York kids. So when uh, Chuck Daly and Hubie Brown walk into your office after a high school game, are you are you star are you starstruck by that, or are these your peers in the profession? No, like, they, where they, are you they, at they, as a high school coach when that happens? They definitely are not my peers because I was I was a high school coach. They were a college coach waiting to happen. You knew I mean, who they were. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm two miles away. I mean, I used to. We used to practice basketball at Durham High School on a Saturday morning. We'd start at 9, we'd get through at 11.30, 12 o'clock. I'd get in my car, and I would drive out those two miles to Duke. I would drive them back or back around behind Cameron Indoor Stadium. I'd get out, and, and I had a, a friend of mine that worked at Pepsi-Cola there in Durham, and he was loading the Pepsi-Colas into Cameron Indoor Stadium. And I would grab a couple of crates and take them in. And that third crate I took in, I never came back out. I was in for the game. And I saw Duke. And I saw North Carolina. And I saw North Carolina State. And I saw Wake. And I saw all the great ones play. And, you know, it was just it's awesome. That was, that was just part of it. That was me growing up as a basketball coach. I That's mean, you awesome. want stories? I got stories. No, I know you got stories. I just, <laughs> we just need to tap into them. That's amazing. Um, see, Pete Gillen has just opened up a, a jar. He's opened up a can. This is, this is what I mean about, like, because it's not just – you mentioned five-star basketball camp. It's not just Coach Odom that gets like this. Every single coach or player that was a part of that, and you ask them about it, they light up. And they have stories. Well, here's, and it's one let, of the great me, untold stories in, in sports. Go ahead. Let me give you the, the coaches that were there. Go ahead. Okay. Chuck Daly. Hubie Brown. Bob Knight. I mean, those are the three real headliners. Marv Kessler, who you don't know. 
but uh, he, he was great. Um, Michael Fratello, Rick Patino, Mitch Bonaguro, Pete Gillen, uh, Buddy Gardler. Oh, Ralph Willard, whose son's coaching uh, Seton Hall right now. Uh, Brendan Malone, who coached Lou Alcindor at uh, Power Memorial. Uh, I mean, I, <laughs> I mean, it was a veritable who's who. Now it's a summer camp. Summer camp. So it's a. Sli- I mean, you're there for how long? Eight days. It's an eight-day camp, and it was no jacking around, man. I mean, cabins. You, you huh? guys were you guys staying in cabins? Absolutely. Like Coaches stayed camp? in cabins. Players stayed in cabins. See, here's what I can relate to. Obviously, five-star basketball camp was never calling me, ever. No. But I was a summer camp kid. I used to go to summer camp every year. I'd get dropped off in the mountains of North Carolina, and my parents would say, see you in two weeks. What I can relate to from what you're saying are those summers. Yeah. Some of the best summers of my lives. Oh, yeah. We're at summer camp. Yeah. Now, we weren't playing basketball 14 hours a day, but we were running around having a good time. You're doing things. I mean, canoeing. Archery. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, we're doing things. Yeah. Arts and crafts. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the blob. <laughs> Remember the blob? You know about the blob server? Yeah, yeah. The old B movie? Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, no, no, the blob. It's, it's, the, it's the thing that sits out on the lake. Oh. Where you jump off the top. Yeah, yeah, I got you. Of the, of like the, the high rise there, and there's a kid at the end, and yeah, he gets yeah, shot yeah. off into the lake. Yeah. Gotcha. The blob. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Good times. Look, Coach, anytime you want to come in here and get your buddies from five-star basketball camp on the line and we can just tell stories, um, there's an appetite for that. Clearly, I mean, server's getting emotional over there just uh, talking yeah, about I, it. I, I'm juiced up right now. Yeah, this guy could run through a wall. You may get Michael Fortella to come on? Anytime. <laughs> yeah, let's do it next week. I'm good with that. Uh, let's take a break. We'll come back. I want to run through just a couple more storylines from the weekend, and then we'll wrap it up here on the Tuesday edition of College Sports Now. Having a good time with our man, Coach Odom. Last time on Guardians of the Game, the head coach of the Purdue Boilermakers, Matt Painter. I walked into Coach Katie's office, I'll never forget, after a couple months, and I just was like, man, I think I need to redshirt. And Coach Katie looked at me and was like, man, I I think you got a chance to start. And I'm like, Boy, we got two different perspectives on what's going on. I can't get, I can't get the ball past half court. To hear more, listen and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, and follow along on Twitter at NABC nineteen twenty seven. All right, we're back here on College Sports Now. Coach Odom is not on Twitter, so if you want to interact with him, you can interact with him through our uh, through our account. We will be like a, like a brokerage here at CS Now Tweets. Drop us a line. Let us know what you think about the program. Maybe you've got a story from five-star basketball camp. I doubt it, but uh, who knows? Maybe you were like a, working in the mess hall. I will say summer. this. I just go around in my travels randomly. You'd be surprised at the number of people that stop me and say, Coach, I know you don't know me, but in 1983, I was at the five-star basketball camp in Pittsburgh, and you were the head coach, and, you know, whatever. That's awesome. You know, just, I mean, because you you, you got to remember now, every week, we had five to six hundred kids at each of those camps, and I mean that. Uh, sometimes one year, I worked five different weeks of camp. So you're up there for over a month, and the last day at Five Star Basketball Camp, when the NCAA ruled that we could no longer do it, NCAA now at the last day. I closed camp up, Howard Garfinkel and myself. Now, you, the Jewish guy from New York, 
got the big horn rim glasses, the whistle around his neck, and the orange shirt that he always wore with five star on the on the lapel. We walk off together, and I said, Garf, do you know that this was my fifty seventh week working at Five Star Camp? <laughs> and he looks at me and he says, That's it. That's all I get. It was over a year of my life I spent there, buddy. Yeah. And it was great to me. It's awesome. That's very All right, cool. let's go. Let's get some uh, let's get some information. I in don't know here how to make the stuff. transition from that to upsets from the weekend, but we'll do our best because we've got some sound. Uh, let's talk about Louisville. Rough week for the cards. Number five team in the land going into last week. Lost at Georgia Tech. Had a road game at Clemson Saturday. It did not go well for the Ville. Sims. Left side, fakes the handoff to Mack, dribbles it out front to the top of the arc, gives it to Hemingway. His three on the way. Oh! Bingo! He wasn't even squared up. That's Don Munson and company. Clemson Radio Network, audio courtesy of JMI Sports. Coach, it wasn't even close. Louisville gets no. blown out at Clemson on Saturday. They go 0-2 on the week, and just like that, they're a half game behind Duke in the ACC standings. What's going on with Wara? They, they don't even start him. So he, he goes two straight games almost and took the collar in both. I mean, what's going on with him? No answer from that. Um, I don't know what it is, but there's something going on there. And unless they get him back on track, uh, I do not believe Louisville's going to be able to, you know, get to the second weekend in, in March or certainly not the third weekend. Remaining schedule coming up for Louisville, home to Syracuse and North Carolina this week. Good opportunity to bounce back there. They got to go to Florida State. They host Virginia Tech and at UVA. So, again, Louisville, a half game back of Duke now in the ACC standings, having lost two straight, uh, will look to bounce back against Syracuse on Wednesday night. All right, elsewhere, other upsets to tell you about in the top 25 this weekend. Seton Hall goes down at Providence. This game was wacky. I don't know if you saw how this thing ended. Providence was up. A couple seconds to go in the game. I think they're up five. Uh, they fouled the Seton Hall player who was shooting a three as time expired. So the fans rushed the court. Seton Hall still has three free throws left. All right. So not only do they get the three free throws, but there's a technical. <laughs> it got a little weird. Providence won the game. Uh, but still, Seton Hall goes down. So you've got drama in the Big East, which Pete Gillen from CBS Sports told us just a couple minutes ago. He thinks that's the best conference in America. And in terms of in terms of the top to bottom strength coach, he might be right. Might be right. He might. So Seton Hall still atop the uh, Big East division or the Big East conference, I should say. But they do go down at Providence. All right. Elsewhere in the SEC, number eleven Auburn on the road in Missouri. How about the Tigers getting it done? The Missouri Tigers. Inside the arc, right corner, Mitchell Smith, right side to keep Parker Brown drives it to the wing, to the baseline, to the rim for the flush, the freshman. 6649. That's Mike Kelly on the call, Missouri Sports Network from Learfield IMG College. Auburn goes down in Columbia. How about this, coach? One of 17 from three point land. That's how Bruce Pearl's team shot the ball on Saturday. Uh, you know, one of the things that I've always noticed about Bruce Pearl's team is his teams play in spurts, both within a game. In other words, they'll play six minutes of basketball, unbelievable. Then they'll go to sleep for about three or four games. But at the end, they're usually playing very, very well. 
They also go through streaks during seasons where they're not playing, you know, during a season where they're not playing well. Such was the case at Missouri. Uh, they got to Missouri on time to play, but they left their games back in on the plains, uh, back there at Toomer's Corner somewhere. <laughs> they, didn't, they didn't bring the game with them. Uh, but uh, Bruce is very good at awakening his team. Uh, they'll – I don't know who they play next, but uh, it, it'll – he'll have them ready for that one for sure. Uh, Auburn's seven-game win streak is over. They go down at Missouri. It's been a rough year for Quanzo Martin and Missouri, by the way. They're just a, a 500 team uh, overall. But uh, they do upset Auburn, who, again, uh, has a seven-game win streak. And you asked about the upcoming schedule for Auburn. Not terrible, Okay. Home to Tennessee. I'm sorry. Let's back up. They got to go to Georgia this week. Georgia's been a disappointment in the SEC. Home to Tennessee. Home to Ole Miss. At Kentucky. That's a CBS game uh, next Saturday. And then home to Texas A&M at Tennessee. Not terrible for Auburn, who is second in the uh, in the league standings right now. They're a game back of Kentucky. So, too, is LSU. LSU had a rough week, man. LSU lost again at Alabama over the weekend. They've dropped three of their last four. And you know who comes to town on Tuesday? Kentucky! Big Blue. So LSU is starting to kind of wobble a little bit uh, after starting, I think it was 8-0 in the SEC at one point. They've since dropped three of four. Other things you need to know about, and we would be remiss if we didn't talk about this, uh, maybe the game of the weekend. Maryland-Michigan State. Now, I don't have any sound from this one. We couldn't get it cleared. But number nine, Maryland was a seven-point underdog at Michigan State. All right, Breslin Center, East Lansing, tough place to play. Sure, understand. Michigan State's up seven with 3.24 to go in the game. Up seven with three and a half minutes to go. You know what happened after that, Coach? I do. Maryland closes the game on a 14-0 run, and they win by seven at unranked Michigan State. And that was a statement game for the Terps, who... Talked about the Big Ten a lot this year on the show. Um, they're the best team in that league, and they are, like Duke, a team from a power conference that still is very much alive for a number one seed based on how things go over the next four weeks. Uh, listen, I don't know if you believe this or not, but my wife and I are sitting there watching the Michigan, uh, excuse me, the uh, Maryland at Michigan State game yesterday. And it, it uh, it's up and back. Maryland's up early. Then Michigan State makes that uh, fabulous uh Turnaround there at halftime. They come back, actually take take the lead with, uh, I don't know, 324, something like that to go. Uh, Sparty's up seven on them. And my wife, who knows probably more basketball than most wives because she's been around it, she says, I predict Maryland will come back and win the game. I said, how much money you got? I'm thinking Michigan State's going to bury them in the next three minutes. She said – I'm not betting you money, but I'm just telling you. I'm pre and she she's big on I predict. She said I predict they win, and that set off three straight possessions of Anthony Cowan hitting threes. He had not scored the whole half. He hits three straight threes to give them. Uh, let's see, they scored the last what 14 points or something in the game. Yeah. 11, uh, nine of them came off Anthony Cowan's three-point shot. So uh, my wife knows more than I know. <laughs> Smart man. Um, yeah, Maryland was impressive. That was a statement game. Uh, and again, you know, Michigan State 
started the year back in November, the preseason number one team in the land. Not only are they not ranked, Coach, but they're they're buried in the Big Ten standings, which is, I, I think we looked this up. The Big Ten tournament is in Indianapolis this year. It was, it's been in Chicago before. I think it's in Indianapolis. That is going to be a, a melee. Like, what's it called in wrestling, server when there's like 14 guys in the ring at one time? Battle Royale. Battle Royale. Thank you. I wasn't allowed to watch wrestling. I would have said scrum. Also, also known as the Royal Rumble, depending on branding. Sure. Okay. We digress. That's what the Big Ten basketball tournament's going to be. I mean, somebody's going to be in that thing as the 12 seed, and they're going to be you know, playing for their NCAA tournament lives. Like, it's I, wild out there. I don't know how you determine who's the best, which uh, league is the best or not, but I'm not so sure that Big, Big Ten's the best league. I'm really not. I don't know if there's a team in there that you could say could win the national championship. And the two or three teams on the bottom are not – they're just not good basketball teams. Northwestern, uh, Minnesota, um, there's one more Nebraska. Team. Nebraska. Th- those three teams are just not good. Joe Lenardi has 11 Big Ten teams going nah, to the dance. I don't think so. I don't think so. I mean, he updates this daily, so by the time the pod drops, it might be down to 10. He's got Indiana as one of the last four teams in – he has Minnesota as one of the first four out. Let me ask you this. If you paired, give me the top three teams in the Big Ten. I got you. Stand by. Maryland's at the top. Penn State, a surprise story this year in college basketball, is alone in second place. And Iowa okay. is the third place team in All the right. Big Ten. Stop Iowa right there. and Michigan State are tied. If I paired the ACC's three best, mm. Duke, Louisville, Florida State against those three in a head-to-head, what would you say? I'm leaning ACC. All right. If I took the bottom three in the Big Ten. Minnesota, Nebraska, Northwestern. And you paired them against the bottom three in the ACC. Miami, Wake, and UNC. What do you think? Oh, boy. You're going to pay me to watch these games, right? Well, I'm just saying (laughs) – Overall records, uh, ACC's got a, a, a slight edge there over the bottom of the Big Ten, but I, I see your point. I see yeah. your point. So, How about uh, North Carolina, by the way? Oh. Uh, DFL in the ACC. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah, well, well, we'll leave the DFL. 3-11 <laughs> <laughs> in the league. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Wow. Oh, boy. Uh, all right. Before we get out of here, you did do a brief stock up, stock down. Uh, share with our listeners what you got because we check in with you weekly on teams that are on all the right. rise and teams that are on their way down. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really fly through these because I know time uh, is of the essence. Stock down first. I think there are two teams in the Big Ten that you'd have to say are stock down. One would be Indiana, which is – it's kind of falling apart right now. They can't win on the road. And Minnesota, which can't win at home. I mean, they just lost to Iowa yesterday. And then in the ACC, you got two teams, Louisville and North Carolina State. Louisville loses at Clemson, um, which I think Clemson needs some credit. I mean, they're doing really, really well. Yep. And uh, North Carolina State, bad loss for North Carolina State last night in Boston uh, at Boston uh, Boston College. They've, they've got a – They've got some they got a tough They're on the wrong side of the bubble. I yeah. mean they're seven and seven in the ACC, yeah. which most years get you in. But yeah, this but year 
They got, got Duke, some bad losses. Don't they have Duke twice? Yes. And then they got North Carolina at North Carolina. They've got Wake at home. And I don't know who the other game is. But that gives you maybe – I don't know who the fifth game is. But anyway, I think they're – I think you're going to have a hard time making it. Um, stock up. Two teams in the Big Ten. Penn State. Penn State. How about this? They've won eight in a row, Coach. Yeah. I mean, they, 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 nobody could have predicted that. But uh, Pat Chambers has done a wonderful job there. And, I, you know, in spite of the fact that Rutgers has lost some games, I think they're, they're almost invincible at home in the rack. And uh, they're a good basketball team. I'd like to see Penn State and Rutgers play on a neutral someplace. That'd be a good game. And then uh, uh, two West Coast teams, and these are obvious, San Diego State and Gonzaga. They're both just cruising along. I took the time to watch a half of San Diego State, the second half of last night uh, game against Boise State. They're a very good basketball team. Malachi Flynn is the truth. Pete, Pete said they don't have a real star. I think they do. Malachi Flynn is a real star, I think, uh, with them. By the way, can I fact check myself here? I made a statement earlier about number one seeds west of the Mississippi, and I've actually fact checked myself. All right. And there has been one occurrence in history where three number one seeds have come west of the Mississippi. That was in 2003. The number one seeds were Oklahoma, Texas, and Arizona. Okay. Oklahoma, Texas, and Arizona, three number one seeds for the first time in NCAA tournament history west of the Mississippi. Before that, the max was two. So we've had three. We've never had four. Right now, you know, all possible, things being possible. equal, and I know Baylor and Kansas play on Saturday, but it is possible that you might have all four yeah. one seeds west of the Mississippi. Well, what would have to happen there is, uh, let's say, the one that wins the game Saturday would have to lose the tournament and the other one win the tournament. That'd be about the only way to Or end. Duke slash Maryland kind of lose some games down the stretch. Yeah. I mean, I think Gonzaga and San Diego State right now are the closest thing you can have to locks for number one seeds. I agree. Uh, Louisville was in that discussion until the abysmal week that they just had uh, going 0 for 2 on the road at Georgia Tech and Clemson. But look, it's going to be wacky, right? Like, again... Sunday was four weeks until the bracket gets unveiled. You're going to have a nine seed in this tournament that's dangerous. Like, you're going to have one of those games in the round of, of 32 where a one seed's going up against an 8-9 winner, and it's, it's going to be a coin flip game. Like, it's just, it's going to be crazy. This, this year, I mean, I, I don't know. And again, there's people that are smarter than me, uh, including Matt Norlander from CBS Sports, who's going to be on the show Thursday to uh, to kind of put this into context. But yeah, it's shaping yeah, up for something. You need you need the voice of reason to come on. Clearly, yes. Yeah. Less <laughs> less of me, more reason. All right. Um, anything else on stock up, stock down, or is that it? No, that's it. Okay. Uh, I'm going to end the show again by just promoting some stuff that we've got going on here. Uh, before I get to that. Wednesday night in Winston-Salem, Coach, you're being honored uh, in pregame of the Wake Forest-Georgia Tech game. Along with the 1995-96 Wake Forest team, they're all getting honored at halftime. But since I don't get a chance to talk to you between now and Wednesday, and I'm sitting in the cheap seats on Wednesday night, I won't be able to rub elbows with you. Uh, What's that mean to you for Wake to have you back and raise a banner in your honor? That's got to be a huge deal. You're going to make me well up here on that one. I don't have the word capacity to 
properly give credit to what that uh, honor means. And without tipping my hand of what I'm going to say to the crowd in attendance, February is a month about love and sharing. I'm going to make every effort Wednesday night to share that honor with those that helped me get to where I am in my life today. It's a good start. So you got to take the mic? I don't, I don't know, but if they don't give it to me, I'm going to grab it. There you go. Yeah, you've earned it. You've earned it. Give me the mic. Uh, I'll be there. Uh, we're, bringing my, uh, we're bringing my oldest of two boys. We're not bringing the whole crew. But uh, we will be there. Georgia Tech in the house. Should be a decent basketball game, too. Both of these teams uh, are actually starting yeah. to play better hoops lately. Georgia Tech is a much improved team. Wake is good at home. They haven't played well. On, they haven't won on the road. When was the last time you saw some of those players from the 95-96 team? Well, in mass, it's been a while. But, I mean, because they all float in and out of your sure, life. But, sure, sure. Uh, I'm looking forward to uh, – we've, we've got a good number coming back. That's we awesome. Do. That's We're very gonna, cool. It really begins tomorrow night, Tuesday night, at uh, the Benton Convention Center here. We're going to have a player and family-only meal together. So I'm not invited. It's, I'm not. I'm not. I can't just ride in like the guy, like like you with the Pepsi. I can't just take that third crate of Pepsis in there and then just hang out for like the that? event. Look, old school, man. I love it. That's great. Everybody's got a friend who works for Pepsi Cola around here. That's how it goes. Um, NABC Guardians of the Game. You got a podcast dropping this week. You're a busy guy. I know that stuff never stops. You got a couple of episodes that are coming out over the next several weeks as you continue to churn out interviews with coaches. NABC. Guardians of the game. We got that. We, we do. Who, who's next? <laughs> you can't give it away. All right. That's fine. Yeah. I know you've got a few in the hopper, so they'll be coming. Search NABC, Guardians of the Game. Uh, you can listen to those episodes on our Twitter feed on College Sports Now, or I should say our podcast feed, all this technology. Uh, but it's very easy to find. NABC, Guardians of the Game. Coach Odom interviewing all the uh, coaches from around college basketball, including Brian Dutcher. From San Diego State, who's one of the guys who I, is at least going to be in the discussion for Coach of the Year. He's got to be. I think he's on this week. Okay. I think, you know, we've got that one canned. I did it last week. I think he's on probably being released today. And then next week, um, Lavelle Jordan, I think. Good get. Yeah. Yeah. And ABC Guardians of the Game, check that out. Also, I mean, look, it's a college sports channel, folks. College baseball is up and running. Uh, it started this weekend, and if you listen very carefully, you can hear the pings in the distance from those aluminum composite bats. Server does a great job with Kyle Schasberger on the baseball podcast. What? What are you looking at me for? Well, number number one team in the country, Louisville, lost two of three over the weekend, so it's already we're off to a wild start. It's been a rough weekend for Louisville athletics. Yeah. Um, but what's the name of the podcast? How can folks find it? Well, it's just college sports now. Same same as always. Uh, these episodes will be identifiable by their episode name, which will be some sort of baseball pun. I've, I've settled on that. Okay. Um, so On Deck will be episode two. That's coming up uh, in a couple weeks. Okay, very good. And that's uh, Serber and Kyle Schasberger, uh, who do a great job uh, covering all things baseball because your boy here just doesn't have the bandwidth. Can't keep up. I just yeah, I can't do it. But uh, those guys do, and they do a fantastic job. All right, we are out until Thursday. Coach, 
Have a good time on Wednesday night. I'll we'll see be you watching. there. I'll be there. Yeah, I'll be there. Um, we'll talk to you guys on Thursday. At CS Now Tweets on Twitter. Thanks to Pete Gillen for joining us from CBS Sports. Thanks to Coach. Thanks to Serbs. On behalf of the whole crew, I'm Stephen Hartzell. So long, everybody.